Shalom, my brothers. Lord God bless each and every one of you this morning. It's certainly good to be together again and uh, looking forward to a wonderful time in the Lord this morning. Um, just thought we'd open up this morning with, if you want to stand with me, I'm just going to read out of the book of Psalms this morning. Psalms 133. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Our Father, we thank you for this grace and mercy you bestowed upon us to be able to come together. And Lord, we ask you to just bless us this day that truly you, the Holy Ghost, will bring us in unity and in harmony together. In the lovely name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we give thanks. Amen. So you may be seated, my brothers. God bless you. Um, seeing there's several brothers here that uh, has not been part of our meetings, I uh, just wanted to uh, give you a, a brief overview of, of what, we, what we do in the minister's meetings that we've now, this, we're now in our 15th year of these meetings and we've not one time had a brother and slap another brother, kick another brother, throw anything at another brother or anything like that, not once. You know, there was a lot of things that happened in the past and I've heard a lot of stories. I was never a part of that. Thank the Lord. I've never been a part of that. And so by God's grace, we've never had that. We've had some of the old fighters come and try, but by God's grace, he's given us the, the mercy and the grace to be a little more mature today. So, you know, um, we all come together, and I'll send out a flyer like this to all the brothers that's on the mailing list. So if you're not on the mailing list, I'm on the email list. If you'll get your email to me, I'll see to it that you receive the, the uh, flyer. Um, we have a website, it's called mmmoth.com. Me message, I mean ministers, how did I put it? Message ministers meetings of the hour or something like that. <laughs> You'll have to forgive me. It's been a few years since I put it up, but um, I post it on the email that I send out. Our meetings are all topic-centered. So the last meeting we were at, this topic that we have today, which is what do we look for to bring perfect harmony and unity among the elect, was chosen at the last meeting. So it came out of the, the, the congregation of brothers, uh, you know, somebody brings up a topic, we vote on it. Sometimes there may be two or three different topics. Many times we've had a brother over here has a topic, a brother over here has a topic, and as we start looking at it, it winds up being one topic uh, because they're really looking at something. But as we're all individuals, it comes out of my mouth different from comes out of yours. And so, you know, many times that happens. But um, sometimes we'll have three or four topics, and then we just vote to choose which one and go from there. 
And so when we come together, we have the, mer the morning session, which is maybe one brother like it's going to be today, Brother Tim Pruitt, or it may be two brothers. We have had as many as three in the morning session. Um, and that just depends on the host pastor. Uh, sometimes they'll have me to choose. Sometimes the host pastor chooses. Sometimes it'll be a combination of the two of us. So it just, however the Holy Spirit leads, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Not what we want to do, not what I believe, it's not what you believe, but it's what the Holy Spirit is trying to bring to us. And every one of us, from the youngest to the eldest, has a part to play. Uh, I want, uh, you know, the Lord put this on my heart uh, 15, 16 years ago, and I tried to get away from it, didn't want I didn't want to be, <laughs> I didn't want to be, you know, a person pushing it, but that's what the Lord did. And when I refused to do it, he started taking things away from me. Until finally I said, I give, Lord. And so uh, looking back over the years, I can understand why we're doing it, because we've had a lot of many blessings amongst us. And so as we, we go about this, Brother Tim has, you know, a, a time frame that he has to meet because we have to go to lunch. We'll go to lunch and then we'll come back. And when we come back, that's when everyone in the, the congregation of brethren has the opportunity to speak if they want to. There's no pressure on you. If you want to, fine. If you don't, fine. Um, if you just want to listen, that's fine. Um, but we try to divide that time up between equally amongst the brethren. And so when we do that, I wind up being the timekeeper. The clock is not favorable, brothers. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just like the guy with the basketball and he's, he's got 0.1 second. It's not favorable, you know. Uh, he's got to get rid of that thing right now. And so when the clock's, clock goes off, it's time to stop. And so I always try to give the brothers a warning. Hey, you know, if you see me sitting there waving, I'm letting you know you got about a minute left. It's time to wrap it up. When you hear the, hear the clock go off, that's not the time to wrap it up. It's time to sit down. And so, and it's not because we want to be ugly. It's not because we want to stop the Holy Spirit. It's because we're supposed to prefer our brother. Yeah. And, and so that, that's, you know, that's the simplicity of it is we're supposed to prefer our brother. And whenever it's his time, we, wanna, uh, we want to take care of his time as much as possible. Now, I'll tell you, and some of the brothers here know, that at times I've given brothers some extra time. Because, again, we're not a denomination. We're not an association. There's no laws. We have one law, and that's the law of the Lord, the law of the Holy Ghost. And so if he puts it on my heart to let them go, you're just going to have to have, have confidence in me that the Lord's, Lord's let, led me to do that. Because they can tell you, I'll sit you down. I will get up. I will stop you. I will sit you down. But also, the other thing is, we are not here to promote a ministry. We are not here to tear down a ministry. It's not allowed. Now, that's not to say a brother can't say, hey, we're having a meeting or something like that. No, but we're not here to lift somebody up. We're not here to tear anybody down. We're here to lift up Jesus Christ, and we are here to destroy Satan's kingdom. That's our purpose. But my brother's not Satan. You know, you know we can all 
at any time have the wrong spirit. I've had it. We've all, we've all been in that case. So we do our best to come together in a spirit of love and harmony. And I have been just as blessed by brothers I never heard of before in my life as I have brothers that I've known most of my life because I've learned from the Lord that I can only see so much. I can't see through your eyes, and you can't see through mine. But what the Lord shows you, if I can have grace to come to it with an open mind that the Lord is trying to speak to me, then I can see things I never saw before, I never caught before. My buddy sitting back there, Brother Clark Thomas, he and I were very different. He, he, he always approaches things from a point of view that Tim Calhoun, I can't approach it from that point of view. And it's not that it's, it's his bad or I'm, I'm wrong or, or, or he's right, but it's we're two different people. And I'll sit there and I'll say, man, that is awesome. I love that. And so as the Lord has blessed us at this point to come together in that, that's what we're trying to accomplish is that the Lord can open his word to us. It's not something new. We're not trying to bring anything that the prophet didn't say. But we're trying to get all that he said. And that's what we're looking to do. And so I'm going to get out of the way so Brother Tim can, can have all the time that he needs. And so, Lord, God bless you, brothers. Why don't we stand as Brother Tim comes? God bless you. Well, we're going to read the Word of God, so that's why we're standing, not for me. Amen. I want to say I appreciate being here together with you. Can everybody hear okay? All right. So I appreciate being together with you, uh, minister brothers, and to share, share the same burden that you have of the message of the hour. I remember, you know, when I, <clears throat> I was just a young preacher boy myself, and when Brother and, you know, right shortly after Brother Branham left, it seemed like, um, you know, the attitude among the ministry was uh, who's going to be the greatest among us and who's going to take the mantle now and, you know, who will, who, who will be, uh, you know, <laughs> the jockey for position. One's going to be Jehu and one's going to be Elisha and another Joshua and another, you know, they're, everyone trying to take their positions and whatever else and... Um, but, you know, I, I don't believe there's any big ones or little ones among us. And it's just the graciousness of Brother Jason that has asked me to, to uh, speak today. So, you know, I, I don't have any message of my own. I just love the Lord with all my heart. And, and I just um, want to serve the Lord together with you. So I'm here to encourage you in the things of God and maybe just um, impart a little something to you today that, might be a blessing that you could take home and study and look at and, and consider. But let's, let's look to Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, and then we'll pray. 
and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, that it dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I'm in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Lord Jesus, as we bow before your throne of grace today, we approach humbly before you, Lord, knowing that we are nothing. And, there, and, and I'm gathered here, Lord, with your minister servants today and speaking to those even around the world that may be hearing this, Lord, in today or in the days to come. Lord, you know the hearts of your people and the desire of our heart to see you manifest in your fullness. Asking, Lord, that you would minister to us today and that is we would uh, speak about things that is the hope that lies within us, of the, of the great things of God, that you will just break the bread of life to us and, and speak to us in a very special way today as we give ourselves to you to serve you. Bless these ministers. Some are, are evangelists or are workers in the church, other pastors or whatever their position is, Lord. We pray that you'll bless them abundantly and use them for your glory, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And uh, I want to thank you today for your attentiveness and for this opportunity. And, and uh, I think the last time that I was in a, a minister's meeting here in the U.S. was when I was with Brother Gerald Hughes way back many years ago now. And, and uh, we went, had a little minister gathering then. And so, you know, we, I think the subject matter being of what it will it take to unify the bride. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this original question up from my own angle. And um, I'm just going to look at it from this angle for, you know, of course, first of all, the only unifier for the bride is the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's no man, no bishop, no cardinal, no pope. Um, that can unify the bride. So that's the only unifier that will work. Man-made and forced unity is just denominationalism all over again. Amen. So, you know, today I'm going to speak today on, you know, what will unify the bride, and of course, and that is the bride's revival. And I'm not taking this subject lightly. I've studied it coming through 2,500 quotes on revival um, and, you know, just looking at it, and we'll, we'll look at it in different phases of, of course, both the Azusa uh, revival and the healing revival are declared over. And then, of course, the bride's revival is already here. It's not something coming. This was brought on by the seven thunders uttering their voice in the seventh angel's message. And then we're going to just look into perhaps what is the bride's revival. And I'm sure uh, even with the, the, you know, the time frame that we have, I will not be able to cover this adequately. 
I will tell you that um, I have um, a lot of different quotes on the subject that I have categorized and, um, you know, put to put together. And uh, if any of you, you could contact Brother Jason. If you don't have my contacts, I'll be happy to send them to you. Um, you know, the whole list of things that I went through is I've just studied and, and as I laid them out by topic. But nevertheless, as we look into this, today it's, I find it's even questionable sometimes in the mind of many as to whether we can even have a revival. In the, in the message or the church age book, actually, Brother Branham talked about the land is full of carnal impersonators. And in the last day, they will try to imitate that prophet messenger, the seven sons of Sceva, um, tried to imitate Paul. Simon the sorcerer tried to imitate Peter. Their impersonations will be carnal. They won't be able to produce what the true prophet produces. When he says the revival is over, they will go around claiming a great revelation that what the people have is exactly right and God's going to do bigger and more and wonderful things among the people and the people will fall for it. Now, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, by reading uh, just a few um, select quotes and we will read similar ones to the one I just read as we go along that it seems that there's no hope for revival. After the words revealed, we are just to settle down in our churches and instead of being under Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal label, we just take on a new label under the message banner where believers just warm a, a, a message pew. But God has brought us to the restored word. And just to settle down and have churches under a new name with a new doctrine, no, that's not it. We, we have returned to the land of the Bible to welcome back Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we cannot be encumbered with the spirit of Laodicea and, and, and be without the spirit of revival. For, for the, the true spirit of revival is the Holy Ghost. Amen. And this is the rapture age. And the very word rapture means intense pleasure, enthusiasm, euphoria, elation, something totally opposite of Laodicea, who is lukewarm. So we know that the Laodicean ages already had great stirrings of the Holy Spirit. The age would begin in, um, with the Azusa Street Revival in 1906. And then in 1946, the angel of God came to Brother Branham as and was instructed to take um, a message of divine healing to the world. And this sparked the great divine healing revival of the 1940s and 50s. And by the end of his ministry in 1965, um, that revival was over. The, the faith of the people were dwindling and churches were taking comfortable positions, just settling down and each claiming their territories and having their turf wars. Um, but maybe we might ask, what was that revival like? And I'd just like to share a few things with you uh, about that revival uh, from Brother Branham's word. He said, 
in the message influence in Beaumont. He said, I was here with my old friend, Brother Bosworth and Raymond Ritchie many years ago, and many of the brethren came over. I, I still believe the same gospel. I hadn't changed a bit, just still the same. But you see, the revival was going on then, and where there's no revival, you just can't get things done. The ministry is far more advanced. It was only telling you then this would come. How many remembers that? Sure you do. And it come just exactly like it said it would. And then I would take my, the people by and lay my hands upon them. I told you what he told me. And just the way it happened, it's just exactly, it's never failed to be the truth each time and every time. So it has to come from God. No one could doubt it. But you see, the revival is not on. Just your presence to walk in with the people while people would get out, out of cots and stretchers and walk around. You just lay your hands upon them and my, just send them, just sent them whirling. I, I've seen prayer lines where be four or 500 people come through the lines and deaf, dumb, blind, cross-eyed. Not one of them failed, but what was healed, every one of them. Try it today. See, there is no fire. In Rome, when the fires went out in the temple at Vista, the people went home. See, there's no revival fire to back it up, see. That's it. And, and after a while, if, if the world stands, they'll start living in a glare again. See, and that's the way it's always done, passed over and missed them. And that generation is to be judged for what passed over them. They failed to see them. Jesus Christ is alive this afternoon. He is walking around here with us. He's ever present. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. Believe that, won't you? So, I mean, it's like Israel in the journey. They left the rock, but the rock never left them. Amen. The rock followed them. Amen. Now, this brings us to the thought of where Brother Branham talks about the cycle of revival and death and how it never fails. And he, he talks about, you know, like how history repeats itself, that in the generations of Israel, they would see a one revival in one generation to see only the fires fading in the next. And the third generation, embers may be glowing slightly, but in the fourth, there may be no vestige whatsoever of the original flame. And then God lights the fire again. The same process is repeated, and it's simply a manifestation of the truth that God has no grandchildren. Salvation is not passed on by natural birth any more than there's truth to apostolic succession. It isn't in the word. You can't start with truly, you, or you start out with truly born again believers. And when the next generation comes along, they're no longer just plain Christians, but now they've taken on a denominational name and are Baptists or Methodists and so forth. That's exactly what they are too. You see, they're not Christians. You have to be born of the will of God, not the will of man to be saved. But these people, these folks are all coming together by the will of man. Now, I don't say that some of them are not right with God. Not for a minute do I say that, but the original fire has died down. They are not the same anymore. That fervent desire to please God, that passion to know his word, the cry for reaching out in the spirit, it all begins to fade. And instead of the church being on fire with the fire of God, it is cooled off and become a bit formal. 
Of course, that was what happened in Ephesus. They were getting formal and, and it moved right out. In fact, the matter is, if you listen to Brother Branham in the second seal, he tells you how the devil got in the book of Acts church. That, uh, you know, that it first came there among the poor and, and uh, you know, the, the servants and, and, and poor people and so on like that. And he said, that's how the spirit fell. And then they witnessed to their bosses and more fluent people. And then they tried to bring people to meeting and, and they didn't want to bring them to that little dimly light lit places, you know. And so they wanted to dress it up, make it more sophisticated. And the next thing you know, that Nicolaitan spirit got in there, said they didn't want them speaking in tongues and shouting and doing that. They, they didn't want the moving of the spirit anymore. And that's how the devil got in the book of Acts church. And here the cycle began where it began to die, where the emphasis got moved away from the supernatural gospel to just an intellectual revival. Now, so you see, he says that cycle of revival and death has never failed. Now, I, I'm, just, I'm just one who believes that we're going to be a people who break the cycle. And the reason I, can, I have scripture for that, because they that are alive and remain will not prevent those that are asleep. So there's going to be somebody that is living in this generation that will break the cycle of revival and death Amen. and go in a rapture. Amen. So you see, so he, he tells, you know, what happens that soon, you know, the worldliness come in. They begin to read books that wasn't fit to read. They let down the bars, you know, the whole thing. The cry of joy was gone. The freedom of the spirit was gone. And oh, they kept on with the form, but the fire died down. And, and the blackness of ashes is all about this left. Now, as we look at that for a moment, going back, this, this revival in this last day started with an angel of God in May of 1946 which came to Brother Branham as a light, a whipping, whirling pillar of fire that came into the room where he was in and out of it stepped a six-foot, 200-pound man robed in white with shoulder-length hair and was saying, I've been sent from the presence of God to tell you of a strange and misunderstood life and that you're to take a gift of divine healing to the world and it would start a worldwide revival and it did. This message began with the supernatural, an angel stepping through the portals between the natural and the supernatural. The mysteries that we hold dear today that have been revealed by the opening of the seven seals, the seven angels coming faster than the speed of light came breaking through the dimension between the natural and the supernatural. The message will climax with the supernatural, with the dead in Christ breaching the portals between the two worlds, glorifying their bodies and also changing the living and and the living too will also breach the portals between the two worlds and meet their theophany and be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. The gospel started out 2000 years ago with the supernatural. It will end with the supernatural. 
So, uh, you know, going back over what Brother Bannon spoke of, this great revival that he witnessed, he said, I'm, I'm one of the greatest revivals I believe the world's ever seen in these uh, last 10, 15 years. It's been a revival, not just like the days of Billy Sunday or the Welsh revival, or the days of Wesley revival movie or the Moody revival, or Billy Sunday revival. It's been a worldwide sweeping affair around the world. Great healing services and great revival fires has burnt on practically every hill there is in the world. Right tonight, over, way over in the lands of Africa, down in China, Japan, this gospel is being preached and people are being healed right this very moment, very minute around the world. And it has been one of the greatest revivals because I believe it's one of the last revivals. This world will see a worldwide sweeping revival. But now in the last few years, it's quietened down. You don't notice the enthusiasm in the people that used to be. I remember having the privilege by the Holy Spirit to spearhead that revival that started when that angel Lord appeared on that river and, and said that about many years ago and to see it happen and see it set ministers' hearts afire. And everywhere revivals broke out while you could just simply walk into a building and people would just get up out of their cots and stretchers and walk away healed. You didn't even have to say a word. Just being there, that's all it taken. I remember one night in Vandalia, Illinois, I walked in the meeting. I had no longer, had been no more been in the meeting over five minutes and there wasn't a feeble person on the place anywhere. Wheelchairs pushed out, piled up, blind was seeing, deaf and dumb speaking. And just simply the Spirit of God was present. And he just healed the whole group of them. Now, that's what you can do when, that re when revival is going. But let that revival fire die down. Then you can hardly, the people are still Christians, but they're not revived into that spirit, that great atmosphere that does something. It's just like a forge in a blacksmith shop. You got to get the iron hot before you go to pounding it on the anvil. If you don't, you'll never straighten it out. And that's what it takes to have a revival is everybody, everybody under the heat of this Holy Spirit that's brought down the powers of God and a revival moving. And there's prayer meet, then there's prayer meetings going day and night, every minute, everywhere, why the people even wouldn't leave the grounds. Now, but, you know, we asked ourselves a question. Did the divine healing revival bring the promised rapture? No. You know what it did? What it did, though, it made bigger denominations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brother Brandon said himself in question and answer 64, I sent three quarter of a million of my children to the assembly of God. And others, of course, we know went to the oneness and full gospel moves. Yeah. You know, Brother Branham compared it to Moses. He said, in Moses' time, this is from Paul a prisoner, if you want to write the reference, you know, and I'll try to give you references as I go along, and that might help you to at least take notes. From Paul a prisoner, you can study this. He said, Moses' time, he took him out in the desert, kept him out there 40 years, stripped him of all his theology, his ambition, and what a time he could look back and see his failure, and how we tonight ought to do the same when we see our ambition. Look at the healing campaign and see if the Lord did something a few years ago to start restoring healing to the sick 
and so forth. Everybody, every organization is because if it didn't come into their organization, they had to give them a healer. You see, they, they got interested only in, only interested if it was for building their kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, he would say to Tommy Osborne when he asked, you think I have a gift of divine healing? He said, Brother Tommy, after this revival starts like this, there'll be so many divine healers in the land, it'll be pitiful. People won't even, uh, won't even want to have a meeting unless you've got divine healing. And divine healing is a minor. You, you can never major with the minor. Salvation's the main thing to the soul. Divine healing's just a minor thing. But I said, it'll come to pass because when the phenomenon is done, there's always a mixed multitude like there was in the days of Noah. So I want you to get something for a moment. And, and we'll get to it in a minute. Remember, this revival is not only produces the true, it also will produce a false. Yes, so it will produce twins. So now, even, even in the midst of this divine healing movement, there would be twins that would rise up both claiming to be sent from God and both having signs and wonders and, and miraculous happen. And watch this now as we go along. So Brother Branham finishing this up in Paul the prisoner. Now, and what have we done? Let's look at just a moment. We've done the same thing Moses did. We went out and tried so hard to manufacture some kind of miracle. I smelt a disease. I got blood in my hand. I manufacture a miracle and see what we got. Some of the men in such hard strains that's broke up, become regular drunkards and neurotics and got their minds, they switched all the way back in the order from the Pentecostal objective back to making organizations and things. And you look at the, the men that rose up trying to get in realms and dimensions maybe that they didn't even belong in, you know, trying to manufacture a miracle, you know, yet, and, and, and some, some of it was not manufactured. Some of it was for real. There were true miracles that would fall. Yeah. You know, but you'd have, um, it was reported in the news anyway that A.A. Allen died a drunk. O.L. Jaggers tried every gimmick to keep in the limelight. Oil in the hands and blood in the face. It was a lot of that. Brother Branham was, when he preached about sensations and, and, and emotion and so on, it was O.L. Jaggers that he was correcting that move within the Pentecostal circles. Oh, Roberts prophesied that 900-foot-tall Jesus who told him that to raise millions of dollars or God would kill him. And, and you know, that's how his ministry would end. And, you know, with, with, such, an, with such an emphasis, such, such crudeness, you know, um, uh, that, that was so against the word. But going back to Paul, a prisoner, what have we done? We slew about one Egyptian. Now, remember, Moses went to deliver Israel. He killed an Egyptian, but it didn't deliver the people. It didn't set anybody free. Now he said, now, that's right. We've tried, we've strained, we paid, we labored all night long in prayer meetings till we had no voice and try to manufacture something and soup up something and all these type of things and find it to be a total failure. We need a going back to the desert, right? Yes, sir. Uh, camp meetings and struggles, why not just give up? That's what you ought to do. See, go, go back and give up. Why? We have done the same thing they did. 
Same thing Moses did. It doesn't do any good. After 40 years, he finds himself a prisoner to the word of God. What, we, what, we, what do we try to do? When that great blessing come out and the manifestations of these great things that God told us about, that we must be born again, how we must receive the Holy Ghost, the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, all these other things here. You see, people, instead of staying to that word, harness to it, what did they do? They started their own denominational theory, which had already failed, and tried to manufacture something to look like the truth. Now, now I, I just want to tell you, we need to do a little bit of self-inventory in this message and not just look out there and say, they, 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 but also realize those spirits keep moving forward. Now, you said, what have we got tonight? But a, a nation full of organized people who deny the scriptures of God, who would call the life of the Holy Spirit. It was mental telepathy. Who would refuse such to come into their church. They wouldn't permit you to mention one word of serpent seed, eternal security, and things that the Holy Spirit has revealed and proved to be the word. I'd make challenge after challenge to come and prove it to me wrong. And what have they got? The same thing that Luther had. The rest of them, see, slew an Egyptian. Now watch this. What was it? Maybe he made somebody, some man stop stealing. Or maybe live true to his wife. But what did you make of him out of that? A church member. Oh, come join our group. That stinking dead man was the only thing he could point his finger to of his success of 40 years of training, a stinking Egyptian laying there rotten and dead. And that's about the way it is tonight. The only thing we can point to this revival that is crossed over, so-called, is a stinking bunch of church members that know no more about God than a hot and thought would know about an Egyptian night. That would tell them about the word of God. And they say, oh, I don't believe that. I don't care what they say. I don't believe that. That's an awful thing to have to point back to for all the strains and the struggles and everything we got. Maybe we could point to a big school, but it's dead. We could point to an organization, but it's dead. It's stinking. It's like the first thing that we pulled out of, like a hog going to swallow and a dog to its vomit when we return back one dead Egyptian and I just tell you, I mean, this is not what we want to accomplish. Amen. We don't want to accomplish a bunch of, you know, just, you know, a, a few stinking dead church members. Amen. Somebody that we got to reform and, you know, be good and, now, you know, kind of kind of be a, a father to his kids and a husband to his wife. All, all those things are good. But if, if all they are is a church member when it's over with, if all we've done is brought a message of reformation and it is not a message of transformation that transformed their lives and made real Christians out of them. Now, out of that movement that began with a revival at Azusa Street, that divine healing revival, there are now 644 million. That's over 0.6 billion Pentecostal, charismatic, worldwide, including members of Pentecostalism, 19,300 denominations and fellowships. Think of that. Point six, almost 0.65 billion 
Pentecostals produced out of revival. Not only that, 19,300 denominations. Out of the Pentecostal message and the message of divine healing. So, what would another divine healing move produce? Let's go a little further. What about America? Would she have another revival? You know, the old Virginia boy, I think he was from Virginia, the Baptist preacher Jerry Falwell, and he, he, was, he was sure there was a moral majority in America. There's not. It's an immoral majority. It's not there. America's a godless nation that's turned from the, turning from the lamb now to a dragon, a beast that devours. The spirit of, the spirit of lawlessness has taken over our country to fund the police, riding in our streets with sodomites screaming for the rights to kill their children, transgenders in our streets declaring that they're coming after our kids, and they are. And we just thought it was Sodom and Gomorrah 20 or 5 or 30 years ago. It's advanced. Now, Brother Branham tells us in God in Simplicity in Albuquerque, he says, um, you hear me if you believe me to be a messenger from Christ to you. If you, you believe me, if you're not in the kingdom of God, you better press right quick. If, it will not get better. It will grow worse all the time. Now, just mark that down. Just remember, see whether that's right or wrong. You see if it's going to be right or wrong. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It's going to get harder all the time. The revival is gone. You're only gleaning in the field. She's over. Now, you say, I disagree with it. Fine. It's okay if you do. That's all right. That's my conviction. Conviction. That's my hearing from heaven. I believe the Laodicean age is the Pentecostal age where she comes to the place of lukewarm and God spews her from her mouth, from his mouth. He goes again in this message super sign in Report in 63. He said, there'll never be a big revival in America no more like that. If you believe me to be a, a prophet, you remember that's the word of the Lord. Just watch and see if it isn't dying. The churches are dying. They are withering away and it kills me inside of me to know that men and women that I love better than I love my own life, that I give my life. He goes ahead and trying to do God a service without his will that he, and, and this is the one in Los Angeles, oh no, Jeffersonville, where, where he talked about this so-called revival that we're having, you know, and he said, you know, America, God bless America. It's a, it's a Christian country. I, I'm going to just tell you personally, I got a little bit offended when Mr. Obama stood up and said, we're no longer a Christian nation. And I thought, what in the world? What do you mean? I mean, we were founded on Christian principles as a nation. What do you mean we're no longer a Christian nation? And then we have Mr. Biden come along and said, we're a pride nation. Announces to the world, this is what we are. We are a pride nation. So, you know, we, we have come, as Brother Brandon said now, it's a million miles from being a Christian country. I don't even pray for it. How can I pray for it? 
And it won't repent under the mighty powers of God demonstrated before it and deny it and closing the doors to it and, and walking away. So they rejected revival. He told us that America in Israel life where the gospel, he said they didn't come to the spiritual feast that they were invited to. You believe God has given America an invitation of the last 15 years to a great revival to a spiritual feast. But did they come? No, sir. They then to, to reject to come, is that a life worthy of gospel that they call themselves that? Again, in Super Sign in Shreveport in 63, there'll never be a big revival in America no more like that. If you believe me to be God's prophet, remember that's the word of the Lord. Just watch and see if it isn't dying. The churches are dying. They're withering away. I believe that's redundant. But anyway, America, as he said there tonight, that's the reason this nation stays. She's doomed. There's no hope for it. She's crossed the line between judgment and mercy, and she's elected what she has here to control the nation. She's rotten to the core. Her politics is rotten, and I, I don't care what side of the fence you're on here today, whether you're a Democrat or a, a Republican, a publican. Don't matter to me. You can put whoever you want in the White House. You're not going to turn her around. We're doomed. He talks about Russia. The Holy Spirit was poured out on Russia, which call, was called, called it a feast of Pentecost, a spiritual feast. They turned it down. He's referring back in the times of the um, Ar Armenians there when, when they came over to the Shikarians and the people there that Receive warning to leave from uh, there that uh, they would all be destroyed if they didn't move out. And, and it came to pass. That's why the Shikarians were here in the United States, having left Armenia. But, you know, Russia turned it down and it turned to communism. England, he said, turned it down. It's not just America, it's the whole world. Yes. Yes. Amen. You know, I, I know America will burn with fire, and I'm not defending that, but the whole world's going to burn with fire. Yes. But now, so he talks about how that he bid three times. He sent out, and they didn't listen to the feast. Then he sent again. He said, go and compel those people to come. And the table's got to be set. The table's ready. There's still room. Now listen, and I believe that maybe, maybe within the next few months or something, a year or whatever it is, God is going to send another shaking across the country for there's still, there's somebody still out there somewhere that's a predestinated seed that the light has got to fall on somewhere, somewhere in the world. The nation itself is gone. So the nation is gone. But he said there's still a predestinated seed that the light has to fall on. Amen. So he says God's going to send another shaking. Now, we know of a certain, we cannot reproduce Azusa Street, and neither should we try. We cannot reproduce another Divine Healing Revival or another Worldwide Sweeping Revival. Amen. You see, something that would accompany this great feat of adding 0.6 billion to the cause. For the past 100 years, the Pentecostals and the Charismatics have tried to breathe new revival fires into that, and they have blown and blown upon the ashes of that revival, and the only result just being this, the soot of the past fires blackening their faces. Oh, yes. But remember, 
Remember, in the midst of all this, I, I wanted you to catch this, and this is from the era of God's deliverance in 56. Remember, when God sends a revival, hell sends one too. In the Lamb and the Dove in 1957, Brother Brown said here, he said, now we know in the last day there's going to be a revival of the supernatural that is not going to be of God. Well, let me read it again. There's going to be a revival of the supernatural that's not going to be of God. We know that, but the way we can... To tell it is by the Bible, that's right, by the Bible, because it said many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, have I not done this and that? And he will say, depart from me. That's right, that must be, it, it must be absolutely be thus saith the Bible. So again, as we look at this, remember there will be a revival of the supernatural that is not going to be of God. Now, is, now, let me get something straight. It is not that the devil is going to do supernatural and bring healing. And, and, no, we have done mighty works in thy name. So it is not, I, I want to get this point. I, I realize we, we talk about the anointed ones at the end time, but I want you to get something really clear down in your heart. The rain is sent for the wheat. Amen. The anointing is for the grain, yes. but because the others, you know, are in the same field, yes. they get watered too, yes. and they bring forth fruit of the seed that they are. Yes. So don't ever call the anointing false. You see, it, you know, it is, it is a, anointed false ones at the end time. Amen. Yes. The anointing is true. Yes. The seed is false. Yes. How do we know they're false? Because they're contrary to the word of God. Yes. Now, so now God is sovereign though. So revival is a sovereign move of God. No man manufactured Azusa Street. Right. No man manufactured, you know, the, the, the divine healing move. Come on. I was a supernatural heaven open. An angel stepped out of a light yes. from another dimension. Yes. It wasn't prayed down. It wasn't called down. It wasn't forced down. It, it was God's sovereignly moving. And so, yes. you know, this is, this is the thing is a, a revival is something sovereign of God. Amen. It's not something that can be manufactured or man-made or drummed up or worked up or, or, or made by man. Amen. Now, so you know, the Baptists said to Brother Branham in their several incidents of this, and this is from trying to do God a service in Shreveport. He said, you know, uh, he said, I was talking to my Baptist brother, and Brother Branham, we can only have revival when we take the word, word by word, page by page, letter by letter, he said, I believe it too, page by page. I've been trying it all along. He said, well, we must try to find the, the Greek interpretation of the word, what the Greek said. He said, I hadn't read too much, but reading the history of the church and the Nicene Council and pre-Nicene Council and the Nicene Fathers, they're arguing back there about, about the Greek. That was 2,000 years ago. One said it means this. The other said it means that. And the, word, the Greek word means this. And he said, but all the word is inspired. And, and he says, it won't work. 
It won't work. It comes by God revealing himself. So he said a revival can never come until God, the sovereign God, sends it. And then he might take up a little nitwit that can't even sign his name and do with it that knows not even good English, let alone the Greek. And so he goes on to say, now, if there's anybody got mechanics for revival, is our noble brother, Billy Graham. But the mechanics is all right, but the mechanics won't move it. It takes the dynamics to move it. You can build an automobile, put fine seats in it, fine pistons, prove by science what it can do. But unless the dynamics is there, she is just a piece of, a dead piece of goods. So again, as, as we uh, go on in there, he said, that's what God does. He alone has the right to send a revival. Not get the mechanics together, is pray for God to send the dynamics. But even so, many of the message community, and, I, and I'm speaking generally here, and I'm not pointing anybody out, but uh, just as a community of, you know, if we say Christians, uh, one term of that can mean Catholics, Methodists, Baptists, what? So we're all Christians. We're all uh, lumped into that same lump. So when I say message community, we're all a part of the same message, no matter whether we're two souls, seventh thunder, whatever, we are, whatever label we have, you know, we're all lumped into one, the message community. So, you know, but there's, but as we say today, even of the message community, there's so much that is void of the dynamics that all we have is a Billy Graham type of mechanics. Even the conversion offered by Billy Graham type of conversion is one of easy believism. And, and that's, that's, friends, is not a rapture message. It's a tribulation message. It won't give you a ticket in the rapture. It'll get you a ticket to the tribulation. You see, Billy Graham would have Thousands who responded to his pleas to come up and receive Jesus as Lord of your life and confess, I'm a sinner and I accept Christ as Savior. And he found that most of them didn't stick. He could come back, you know, after 30,000 received Christ, come back a year later, can't find 10 who stayed true. He blamed it on lazy preachers. But Brother Branham told him the problem. You didn't take them far enough. So Billy Graham had the mechanics of revival, but not the dynamics of it. Today, it's not even come up and accept Jesus since because even altar calls are frowned on. So just sit tight in your seat and just accept the message of being true. And Brother Branham is a prophet. And if you believe that, you got the Holy Ghost. And to call that the new birth, brethren, is blasphemy. No wonder we got a bunch of rotten eggs in the nest because they've never been with the male bird. Amen. Amen. And here you him, and there's many on this. You can go back and study on it. But, you know, where Brother Bradham talks about a hen can lay an egg, but if she hadn't, and she can sit till she's so poor till she can't get off the nest, but they'll never hatch if she hadn't been with the male bird. They're rotten. And he said, and that's the, just what's the matter today. We just took in so many members and so forth and babying them here 
and baby them in there and just got a nest full of rotten eggs. It's time to clean the thing out and get the people with the mate, Christ Jesus with the word of God back in action and power. Then we will have a revival that has shaped something and do something. Then you'll see Christ right on the scene on the power. He cannot come as long as these things are blocking him. What? What's blocking him? We got too many converts to the message who have never been born again. I said some years ago, and I've been around for longer than what I want to say. But I said some years ago, I mean, that we were ripe in this message, that there would either be a revival among us that would bring the power of the Holy Ghost in in the midst of people, or there would be a great falling away. And we've seen both. Amen. Now, listen now. In this moment, Brother Branham calls it that Satan sends a poisoned revival. So in Be Not Afraid, 1960, in Chautauqua, he says, you know, he's preaching on testimony of the sea, you know, all in similar sermons. He said, we have, we have gone off on a tantrum of how many big, fine buildings we can build, how many great, how well we can make our denomination grow. And we went off without him. And the devil's come in with his poison winds to start a revival amongst the people saying, don't you believe that supernatural? There's no such thing as divine healing. You better go to a psychiatrist and get your mind examined before you become a missionary or a minister. And all that kind of nonsense, a poisoned revival that tries to say that the power of God that operates through the church is a bunch of fanaticism. Now, as I said, every revival produces twins. Brother Bradham starts, and there's a junction. A lot of, a lot of times we, we take the seals, but you've got to go back before that. Because as he steps into the ministry of Elijah, if you do a little study, you will find out that Brother Branham, it was as he studied the church ages that he understood the last messenger to be Elijah and he places it with Malachi 4. So before then, there are some quotes about we need another Elijah and so on like that. But it's only until then that he steps into that under a a greater inspiration of that Elijah anointing. And so he preaches the church ages because he's showing us where we've been so we can know where we are. Uh, it's kind of like this. I, years ago, I, I went on a trip with a friend of mine. And we were going down to Florida. His father had died, and, and I was going down there to do a little, a little um, uh, memorial service for him. And so uh, as I got into my vehicle to leave, I thought, oh, oh I, said, I, I said, wait, wait, I got to go back. I, I forgot my map. You know, this Ford GPS and all this stuff we have today. Don't need them no more. People don't know how to read them. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I said, I got to get my map. And he said, ah, 
You don't need no map, Brother Tim. I know it like the back of my hand. I've been, I've been through, I've been through to Florida so many times. I know the way. Although I said, listen, you know the way, but I don't know the way, and I need a map, but you don't need a map. But I'm gonna go get my map. So I get, you know, map out and chart out where I'm going so I know where I am, what highways, what junctions, and so on. And I start down the road. And about 2 in the morning, I get tired. And I'm so weary. You know, I look over him. I said, hey, you mind driving an hour? Oh, sure. I said, okay, listen. I said, there's a junction down the road you don't want to miss. Oh, now, I know, Brother Tim. I know this way. I've been here. I, I went down here seeing my folks many, many times. I said, yes, sir. I said, but down here is a junction. I said, don't want to miss it. So, I, okay, so he starts driving. I go to sleep. In about an hour, I wake up, and the, the vehicle has stopped. <laughs> and I wake up, and I'm, I said, where, where are we at? He said, I don't know. The road just disappeared. <laughs> I said, well, wait a minute. The road don't disappear. You, you know, what are you talking about? He said, well, yeah. He said, I was going around here, and he said, I, 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 and the road disappeared. He said, look on that map and tell me where we're at. I said, buddy, it don't work that way. I cannot look on this map and tell you where we're at. I said, now, you got lost there's an all-night station. Go in there and ask him this question. Where am I? And I said, when you find out where you are, I'll find out where we're at on the map. And I can get us on the right road to Florida. Now, hey, friends, we had the map. We had the Bible. Amen. But we didn't know where we were at. So God sends a prophet and says, here you are. Here's how where you travel all the way down. You can go back from Genesis all the way down, or you can start at Pentecost and go all the way down. But here's all the junctions along the road, and we're at Laodicea. And the next junction, of course, we know what it's going to be. It's the resurrection and the rapture and the next, the marriage supper and the next. Come on. We know where to go because we had a prophet said, you are here. And we can now look at the road map. Now, so here he is in the Ephesian church age. I'm emphasizing this as he preached in the ROJC. He said, when a revival comes, there's two classes of people comes out of every revival. There's a natural man that goes, he'll come up the altar and say, yes, sir, I accept the Lord Christ as my Savior. He'll go out. What does it happen? First thing you know, he'll wind up in some good, cold, formal church because he thinks, well, if I join church, I'm just as good as the next man. I'm, am I not just as good as so-and-so? What difference does it make as long as I belong to church and make my confession? Why, why? It's a whole lot of difference. You've got to be born again. You've got to have the birthright. Jacob didn't care how much he was laughed at. He wanted that birthright. He didn't care how he had to get it. A lot of people don't want that to get the birthright because they think it's just a little uh, unpopular. They don't want to get down at the altar and cry a little bit and go without a few meals and do and something or another. They don't want to do it. A lot of women, a lot of you, make up on it. They think it. They cry. They might wash it off and have to put it on again. I don't mean it. Say that sacrilegious. Hope it don't sound that way, but it's the truth. They just don't want it. 
They don't want the new birth because the new birth is kind of messy. Now, wait a minute. Brother Bradham brings this concept all the way down through 65, past the seals. And he says, the new birth is kind of messy. It's like any other birth. Any birth is a mess. I don't care where it's at. If it's in a pig pen or in a barn, if it's in a pink decorated hospital room, it's a mess. So the new birth is a mess. And amen. It'll make you do things you didn't think you would do. Stand on a corner, beat a tambourine, sing glory to beat a God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. While you'll act like a maniac. Amen. That's what it done to the apostles. That's what it done to the Virgin Mary. She act like she was drunk. She was a mess in society, but it takes a mess for her life to come out of. Amen. But the other, you know, uh, the other, I'm a fine fellow. I, I pay my tithes. I do this. And, and, uh, but he said, you've got to die and rot there to your thoughts and let the Holy Amen. Ghost come and take you over and yeah. just do whatever he wants to you. And he said, get kind of messy with it. That sounds horrible, not sacrilegious, but the truth. That's the only way I know to punch it out and make you understand what's more of a mess than a dignified bunch of Jews that day than to see these people come out there with stammering lips. You know what a stammer is? Brother Bradham demonstrates what a stammer is. Other tongues acting like drunk people and demonstrates how a drunk person acts. That's exactly what they were doing. They look messy. And, they, and he said, but these are, are these men full of new wine? But after, what, after one kind of got to himself, he said, let it not be known to you. Uh, hearken to my word. These are not drunk like you suppose. But he went back to the scripture. This is that that was spoke of the prophet, by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, he said, God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's the way the church was born first. How many believes God is infinite? then he cannot change. And if that's his kind of idea of a church at the beginning, that's the kind of church he'll have at the end. He cannot change. So how are you going to substitute shaking a hand or sprinkling or some other thing that didn't happen back there? Each one of the apostles went right back to it. Amen. Now, so, he, so, you know, he, he goes on in there, but he, you know, speaking about that, there's, there's a, a lot more that we could read, and I'm skipping it to save some time. All right. Now, so just looking at this for a moment, he says in the message, uncertain sound, this is in Spokane in 62. That's the reason we're losing it. We're taking our boys and teaching them education. And, and friends, if we're not careful, we will turn this message into seminars, yes. teaching seminars. Yes. We will educate people into truth. doing right. Yes, yes. yes. that's the truth, brother. Instead of a change of nature, we will teach them how to live right and do right. And we'll have classes and, and, and seminars on how to have marriages, good marriages, and we'll do this and we'll do that. Friends, that ain't it. It's a new birth people are needing. I mean, we'll try psychology and, you know, set them down and, and, and learn how to conform your nature. Listen, it's not confirmation, it's transformation. Amen, amen, brother, amen. Now, so you see, there, there again, you know, we, we, it, it goes right on. Now, remember, remember here, there needs to be a house cleaning. I'm just going to tell you. 
needs to be a house cleaning from the pulpit to the back pew. And I'm not going to do it. It'll take the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm not even going to pretend I'm able to do it. Amen. You know, already, I just want to say already, and you brothers know it. I know this is public, may go on the internet, may be everywhere, but already we've had homosexuals in our pulpits. We have had adulterers in our pulpit. We have had leading ministers who turn and deny the message. Why? Because even in the ministry, we have those who have not the seal of God. And I don't care how gifted you are and how talented you are. You must be born again. That is the first thing. And Brother Branham uh, emphasized that over and over. He said, don't you go out and preach or do nothing. Jesus said, don't go out and preach or do nothing. You meet in the city of Jerusalem until you're empowered. Amen. Endued with power from on high. Amen. Amen. But. You know, many have run off without the Holy Ghost. You can see the evidence in their lives. And because of that, you see the evidence in the church. Spirit-filled, it takes spirit-filled men to give birth to spirit-filled children. That's the truth. Amen. That's the truth. Amen. Now, okay, so we, we have those even today without the seal of God. It's proven. Now, it brings you, Brother Bradham said in spoken words, original seed. He said, now this brings you right back to the spoken word. Then where we are God's word made manifest. Jesus said the same thing. He, he that believeth on me the, the, uh, and the things and who I am and what I came for and the purpose I do to bring a man, uh, to bring a man back to believe the word of God and take nothing else with it. The works that I do, he'll do also. There you are. Why? Is it not being done today? It's hybrid bastard children mixed up. It don't, it's a mule. It don't know what it believes. And what is the Holy Ghost given for? The works that I do say you do also, not another work, but God wants to bring the Holy Ghost in you to continue the same work that he was doing in Christ. Oh, brother, what in the world do you expect of, uh, of this move? And what do you expect we ought to be like? Well, let me just quote from the prophet. Let's see what he expected. This is, you know, from God of this evil age. Might help you. You know, I, I read a book on killing Lincoln. And uh, let's see, somebody might know Riley. Oh, Bill O'Reilly, he, he, he's the one that was the author of it. And I, I read a book on, you know, today, the man who had so many days to live, he did such and such, and he goes through some, yeah, it's a nice book on history. But anyway, I read, I read that book on killing Lincoln, and I, I, it made me think, well, God, what were you trying to impart to us the last few days, the few hours of Brother Brandon's ministry? I mean, you had a message. This was, listen, this is not Brother Branham's message. That's right. This was a message of Jesus Christ yes. to the Laodicean age, yes. and Brother Branham was the messenger. Yes. That's right? right? Yes. Amen. So God was imparting some things to us, and here's one of the last sermons he preaches. I'll tell you, another study is ashamed of him. Are you ashamed of your Pentecostal experience? Are you ashamed of speaking in tongues? Are you saying, yes. 
I believe the full gospel. That's being ashamed of him. Things God was trying to impart to us. Last words. What's now? God of this evil age. This is August 65. So you see, he only had a few months to live. One of the last sermons to his church. He said, and she's caused the whole world to accept the scientific leadership of the educational program that Satan has given to her under the name of a church, the leadership of an educational scientific program. I'm picturing to you the God of this world. And when she as Eve had the very filling of God's word in her hand, she could have took God's word. But what did she do to that? Instead of tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let science prove to her that the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. Instead of keeping divine healing going, when she ought to be raising, now raising the dead and doing great miracles, she has led Satan under his religious, under his leadership of religious men, take the word of God and try to say it was for another age and she's believed it. When the Bible said, the things that I do shall you do also good. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We st- we're still creatures. These signs shall follow everyone that believe. Amen. She denies every bit of it. She denies all the supernatural. She swapped it for his intellectual conception of the Bible. Now, I'm going to read you a phrase right here where priests, holy fathers, so-called bishops, archbishops, district presbyters, gentlemen, overseers. Now, I'm going to leave all that out and read it again. Where, where they have put their own interpretation to it and God has left them dead as 12 o'clock. The only thing we have left in the last days is a bunch of little Pentecostals with a bunch of music whooped up as hard as they can, running up and down the floor, speaking in tongues and shouting, having a form of godliness, but denying the word thereof, telling them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They'll laugh in your face, but what? That, but God goes right on making it just so, just the same, proving his word to be so. So two groups. One with knowledge of the word and no spirit. And the other, all spirit and no word. You see, but it's got to be spirit and truth. Yes. Now, I'm a farm boy. You want to keep a chicken in a pen? Yes, you clip one wing. That's right. Don't clip them both. He'll have balance. He can still fly. Right. Clip one wing. He'll just fly around in circles. Right. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. He'll never get off the ground. Amen. Now, God gave us uh, the, the gospel. It comes in spirit and in truth. It takes two wings to fly. You can't just have truth without spirit or spirit without truth. You've got to have both of them or you'll never get off the ground. Now, so you see there's two groups. One, all knowledge of the word, no spirit. Other, all spirit. You know, one of them fundamental positionally they know by the mechanics that they are sons and daughters of God. Brother Branham said, Pentecostals got all the faith but don't know who they are. He said, if I could just get the two together. I believe the message brings the two together. Amen. The fundamental and, the, and those who have the spirit, faith, we're in the word together. 
That was what the message was to do, bring them together. And so he goes on and he said, there's where Satan got in to make it all mechanics and no dynamics. Back all dynamics and no mechanics. But see, we got to put it together. We got to have the power of the Holy Spirit, but we got to come back with the word to feed this machine. It won't feed on a creed. It chokes up the flu. And he goes on. He said, now, not just, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, not just part of it, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It takes both of them, two wings of our, and every word. Well, Brother Tim, we believe the mysteries, all right? Well, do you believe the supernatural? you believe the gifts of the Spirit? Do you believe in speaking in tongues? Do you believe, do you believe in shouting? Well, no, we, we've left that. Well, you see, you've only got one wing. That's right. That's right. You'll never get off the ground. Amen. Now, every word, you can't leave holiness out. That's right. You can't leave mystery truths out. Amen. You cannot deny any of it, gifts of the Spirit. The token, which is the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, something beyond the anointing of the, of the human spirit, but abides within the soul that seals you to the day of redemption. Yes. Amen. Yes. So you see, Brother Branham tells us in God's provided place of worship in Los Angeles, he said, when this great moving power of God comes into a son of God, it quickens him. The spirit of life enters into him. Then what did it do? It seats them in heavenly places. Not they will be, we are now. Now we are already resurrected. The dynamics and mechanics going to work quickened us and we're quickened up into the presence of God where his spirit is. Now we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, sitting in there, that great seat that's already fired up, been raised from the dead. We're part of it. If you're part of the bride, you are because the bride is a part of the groom, you know, and we find out it's the same thing. She'll do exactly what's predicted for her to do in this day. She won't be a Laodicean. It's by no means a lukewarm. She'll be on fire for God. She'll be moving on in the spirit of God. Brother Brandon talked about him. He talked about movements by past. This is how can I overcome this is 1963, in August 25. And he says, we got a movement. Some of the holiness groups, they can't call the Holy Ghost Holy Ghost because they don't, they, they identify themselves with Pentecostals when they do that. They say Holy Spirit to keep from saying Holy Ghost because the Pentecostal common people just call it what the Bible says, Holy Ghost, which Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost is the same thing. But they're very careful about it. Watch. They don't want to be identified with them tongue-speaking people, and that's the Holy Spirit itself. Then he went right on and he said, you see what they have done? He said, the unclean spirit has gone out of a man and has walked in dry places and that house was filled with the Holy Ghost and it comes back and they're worse. And there's a lot in the message community would have been better off to stay in denomination. Look at the last Laodicean age. 
See how it closes out. You study again. You know it. It you know the, you see how, you see how it closes out with some of the church failing to overcome and actually becoming lukewarm and powerless, and Jesus being refused entrance into His own church. Now listen, folks. You can go back and look at the Pentecostals and say, oh, that was them. No, it advances forward. And right now, in message circles, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is being refused entrance into his own church. Give you a quote. Door to the heart, door of the heart, 57, 12, 12. God does not like his church to be lukewarm. He said, either be cold or hot. And because you're lukewarm, I'll spew thee from my mouth. That certainly fits the situation of the day of the modern church and the Pentecostal church today, just a lukewarm condition, neither cold nor hot. It would be better if we would either be back in their old denominational state status, or either be up in the realms of the blessing of God than to sit in a lukewarm condition as we are in now. The Lord would appreciate us much more if we would do it. Spiritual amnesia. Brother Branham talks about it, you know, the experience worldwide. He said, that kills me as an evangelist. No fire burning, no enthusiasm. There's no going to it as evangelist. It just kills me. And he says, you're lukewarm. Now, let me just get there. I want to just go into a couple of revival killers. Revival killers. Now, one of the, one of the great revival killers, the reason there are no revival is because we are predestinated, secure. And the rest can just go to hell if they want to. In the fifth seal, Brother Branham told us about John Wesley and Zingley and Calvin, how they got to church to security till they didn't want no more revivals. Whatever's going to be is going to be. That was all of it. And they just lived any kind of lives. We're the bride. We're predestinated. We're the elect. We're the chosen. We've received the word. We've accepted the knowledge of the mysteries. And we call that the evidence of the Holy Ghost. You know, again, this is a revival killer. That we, and, and yes, we got to tell people you're chosen from the foundation of the world and, and you, you, you were in God. You understand that's our position in Christ. And we're positioned there not by our knowledge of the message. Amen. We are positioned there by the baptism of the Holy Ghost that yes. made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and gives us a position in the heavenlies. Amen. Now, so you said, so, so again, we, we have received the word. We've accepted the knowledge of the mysteries. And many of us call that the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Our evidence is we believe the word, brother. And we've emphasized this part. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I become as sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. We have taken this. We have minimized speaking in tongues. 
until 98% of our people have never had the supernatural experience of speaking in tongues, the least of the gifts, much less any of the greater gifts. And though I have the gift of prophecy, we have preached against gifts until there are no gifts. Yeah, we claim to have the full word now, and yet part of it is now declared unwanted or unneeded. We now claim they're on the shelf. There's no quote for that, by the way. Brother Branham said, I, believe, I, I desire one day that there would be the gifts, as it were, laid on the mantle. He didn't say on the shelf. said on the mantle. But he is not talking about this time. He's talking when we enter into eternity, when perfect love, he said, will be. And he said, there won't be any laying hands on the sick down. And there won't be any need to preach. It'll all be over. That's when all the gifts will be laid on the mantle. Right now, for heaven's sake, we need all of heaven. We're going to need everything the Word says. You can't just have part of it. But we've claimed that they're now on the shelf and tongues are just baby talk. The only ones who even want the gifts are babies. Well, that's not the teaching of the Apostle Paul. He said, follow after charity and and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. And understand. Now, just just wait for a minute. Let me me just say something here. We've come down to where every gift is denied till now within the message community. The last gifts of the fivefold ministry which were sent from heaven are now being denied and unwanted and castigated and set aside and told you have nothing to say. Amen. You just kept on going till it got your gift, brother. So, so again, Paul would say, I would you all to speak with tongues. If I had my desire for you, I, I wish you'd all have this supernatural experience. That's right. yeah, the least of the gifts, but yeah. it's still supernatural. Oh, yeah, we know it's impersonated and manufactured, but Brother Branham tells us in standing the gap that no matter how bad it's been impersonated, there is still a real, genuine one that's always to be in the church. Amen. Standing in the gap. So, but, but, you know, how come we never take it this further? You know, you know, well, you know, though we have tongues of men and angels and, you know, though I would prophesy and have faith that I can move mountains and I, I, without charity, I'm another. But what about this other part? And understand all mysteries uh-huh. and all knowledge. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. So if we're going to do away with tongues, prophecy, moving mountains, faith, we got to do away with understanding all mysteries yeah, sure. and all knowledge. Yeah, 
In fact of the matter, the Church of Christ spirit that Brother Branham went out to defeat when he said, I took a little slingshot of faith, this little gift, and I went out to meet the Goliath that said the days of miracles are past and there's no such thing as divine healing. That thing has moved right into our message where we minimize the supernatural. And the Church of Christ doctrine is being preached from message pulpits. So here's another revival killer. I only got time for a little few of these. Another revival killer. In every age, Smyrna Church age, we have exactly the same pattern. That's why the light comes to some God-given messenger in a certain area. And then from that messenger, there spreads the light through the ministry of others who have been faithfully taught. But of course, all those who go out don't always learn how necessary it is to speak only what the messenger has spoken. Remember, Paul warned the people to say only what he said, 1 Corinthians 14, 37. If a man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. What came the word of God out of you, out from you or came into you only? They add here or take away there and soon the message is no longer pure and the revival dies down. How careful we must be to hear one voice for the spirit has one voice which is the voice of God. Amen. Now, so again, he said Paul could not change what he wrote. He said, Peter couldn't change what he wrote. What he was inspired to say, neither can we. And he said, every fresh and true revival will be because men have gotten back to the word for their age. The cry of every age is rebuke. You have left the word of God. Repent and come back to the word. From the first book in the Bible, Genesis, to the last book in Revelation, there's only one reason for God's displeasure, leaving the word. And there's only one remedy to regain his favor, back to the word. Amen. So we must be believed by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But you know, now we have fine trained ministers in our midst. You know, we, we've uh, fine training of ministers. We've educated them in the message. And it's taken the place of, and I'm quoting, all night prayer meetings. And the old time way we used to get to God. Instead of having preachers, we got lecturers. Men who know the word just as well, just sit it, put it there and put it together in such a way it's astounding how they can do it. They know the mechanics, but that ain't the dynamics. We want the dynamics. I don't care about the mechanics. I want to know the dynamics. What does it do? Amen. Amen. Now, so again, Brother Branham told us, you know, what it would be. And it is rising the sun. Example, two cars. One of them got all the bells and whistles. Got the leather seats and it's polished and everything else. And it's just beautiful. But there's no fire in the engine. And the other one has fire in the engine. It goes somewhere. When Brother Branham left us, he left us a car that ran. It would drive down the road to divine healing. It would drive to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It would drive right down to the real power of God, to holy life, to godly men and godly women. 
Amen. 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 It, it worked. Yes. It was a gospel. It was a card that would go somewhere. I don't know who's been fiddle-faddling with the mechanics and messing it all around, but I tell you, many, we got many that's sitting in a church parking lot that won't go not even an inch. It won't even, hey, the battery's so run down, it won't even crank anymore. And some of them, that's all they can do is just grind around on the engine. Just make a little noise. Like Brother Branham said, he saw this fine train and he described it. It had a Zephyr engine and I don't know what all, you know, he was quite enthralled with it. And I looked at this old train and I said, when's it going to move? He said, can it move? He said, no, sir. I'd like to take a little ride. No, sir, it can't move. Why? He said, there's no fire in the engine. That's what's the matter with the church today. It's all pushed up and decorated with no fire in the engine. You can only move by fire. And what we need today is some more Holy Ghost and fire. And that's what's happened to so many. They've accepted the tradition of easy believism, the message of Billy Graham instead of the message to Abraham. And that message of Graham, of easy believism, of just accept the message and say it's right and I believe God sent a prophet and you got the Holy Ghost, that'll send you to the tribulation. Just the same as it will the Baptist. That's all it'll do for you. Today, he said, and fallen, the world is again falling apart in Shreveport. We've studied the mechanics until it's all mechanical. And I'll tell you what, we've had 60 years, just about since Brother Branham left, of studying the mechanics. We've had them fiddle-faddle with it and whatever else. You know, we, you, we got it. You know, we can put up our charts and we can, and all those things. You know, I, I'm, I'm not down in none of them. They have their place. Amen. But that don't bring the power of God. Where is the power of God that used to be in the church? I'm quoting Brother Branham. Where is the Pentecostal blessing that used to flow through the churches? You mean a Pentecostal blessing is to flow through our churches? You mean that? Come on, Brother Tim. What do you think we are, a bunch of Pentecostals? Well, that's what I am. That's what Paul was. That's what Peter was. That's what James and John was. Come on. That's what Jesus was. Pentecost was just receiving the same Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus that came on the day of Pentecost. You know, today, I just submit to you, today is the day when the day of Pentecost fully comes. Amen. But we have great intellectual teachers. Where does it take us? Like I said, we've had 60 years of kingdom builders and made personality cults yes, yes. since the prophet left us. Yes. Now, we don't have 19,000 denominations from it yet, but we're working on it. Oh, yes. Amen. And look, look, at, look at the folly. A powerless group of people whose only weapon is argument. Right. Church age book quote. There's no revival possible unless Jesus is welcomed back in the midst again. And the ministry and the people quit putting him out of the churches like a bunch of Laodiceans do. Now, I'm going to challenge you. Go study the Laodicean church age. How many believe Brother Branham was a messenger? How many believe that was the age, our age, Laodicea? Seventh angel, seventh message, seventh messenger, right? All right, so go listen to his message. That's he preaches his message to Laodicea. Yes. 
And in that, Brother Branham tells us, he preaches, he preaches several thoughts. He brings in Jesus with dirty feet, the unwelcome Christ that he preaches all over the place. That was not just a story. He was telling the condition of the age that Jesus had come and he was unwelcome and unwanted because of pride. First sermon he preaches on it is pride. And then he preaches Jesus with dirty feet. Jesus keeps all his appointments, all these others. So, he, but he talks about Israel and he said, what caused the Jewish branch to be cut off? You know, we're, according to Romans 9, we are the, the olive branch, the wild branch that was grafted in. Yeah. And because the, the true branch or the original branch was cut off. Yeah. And so, so he said, what caused Israel to be cut off the original tree? Because they rejected Paul's Pentecostal message. And do you believe this is the last church age? The Bible said so. And what did it say going to happen to them? They're going to be cut off because of rejecting the Pentecostal message. Then God will turn to the Jews. Now, and there's the other side, all screaming, hollering, calling it the bride's revival, which... which isn't in effect nothing more than a bunch of man-made emotional workup. And that's where Satan gets in. He gets in, make it all mechanics and no dynamics, or all, all dynamics and no mechanics. Got to have them both together. The word, the word of God is, is not creeds of some personality cult. It's not some man's thunder, a bunch of noise with no lightning, but it's the power of God on display. We've had years now of teachers they claimed to be the Aaron to Moses who was needed to say, brother, help Brother Bram to say what he couldn't say. Oh you know, we, we've, uh, we've had uh, self-proclaimed apostles who thought they were needed to bring clarity to the message. Again, this was thought, uh, you know, Brother Branham needed help to say what he couldn't say. They too have their own books because what they say can't be found in the message. So they have to make their own. We've had eighth messengers. You know, we, we, we have wannabe prophets that, that, have, that have risen. They've invaded the pulpit. Brother Brandon said, without a call from God, they've styled themselves like fishers of men, the founders of a move of God. They say the gifted, five, the gifted ministry of Ephesians 4 that God gave the churches failed, so they too are taken over. And the, so here we are right in the midst of the fulfillment of prophecy called the gainsayings of Korah. They don't even know they fulfilled it. So they add here and they take away there and soon the message is no longer pure. The revival dies down. How careful we must be to hear one voice for the Spirit has but one voice, which is the voice of God. Amen. Now, so as we, we, we got to get back to the blood, back to the real power of the Holy Ghost under the token. There is hope for revival because God is hearing the cries, the sign because of the bondage. He hears the cries of our young people with suicide spirits, yes. delving down in porn, yes. perversions of all yes. kinds, yes. sex sins unimaginable. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. You know, he hears those cries, but he, as Brother Brandon said, in the voice of the sign, he, 
is only waiting for his people to call him on the scene. He's there. He's available. But he's waiting on you to call for him. And there is a remedy. You don't have to go out to these psychologists and whatever to get the remedy. The remedy is in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what, the Holy Ghost will fix 99% of marriage problems in your church. It'll, it'll fix the behavioral problem in your children. It'll, I, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost will, I mean, you may need 1% of instruction and a little guidance here and there, but the rest of you just give them the Holy Ghost. It'll, they'll take what the Word of God said and they'll light up to it. It'll take away with your hours and hours of counseling. The counsel they need is get down the altar and repent. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes. Amen. Right. Brother Branham said they, in the indictment, he said they called for revival everywhere. How are you going to have revival when the word itself can't work through the people? Oh my, I'm running out of time. So we, we go right on. Brother Branham said, you know, when we see what God has done in this generation, what it ought to do for us, this is, this is why Christ speaks. We need a repentance. We need a revival. I'm saying it myself. I need a shaking. I need something. I was speaking to myself this morning or about myself. I need a waking up. I was our prophet. Well, Brother Tim, the reason there's no hope for revival that you're expecting is because it's a word revival. And you know, it's the word, word and the word only. And you just said it, Brother Tim, there's only one remedy to get, regain his favor, and that's back to the word. Our revival is the opening of the word, Brother Tim. But yeah, why little Bethlehem? We bypassed on creeds and drinking stagnated water for, from cisterns. What we need today is an opening of the word that lives. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I tell you what, many of what we got, no wonder the world don't want it. It don't live. No wonder the kids don't want it. They don't live at home. Amen. And you know, and friends, you can preach whatever you want to from the pulpit, but if it don't live in your home, it's worthless. Life can't come from an intellectual revival. That's right. I'm reading this now from Broken Sister in 65. That life cannot come from just an intellectual revival. It's got to come out of the Bible, word revival. And the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when it falls today and quickens, listen, you get the same results you did in Acts 2. Exactly, it always has and always will be because it's the Spirit of God that conditions the atmosphere. You know, brother wrote me recently and he, he is a lay member and he, he was from South Africa. He said, I, I'm really concerned about my church, brother. Then we have a WhatsApp group and they put on there, you know, about prayer for so-and-so and prayer for... And he said, you know, in our church, there's never an altar call. There's never prayer for the sick and... And he said, I'm concerned about it. And I, I wrote him back. I said, I'm not concerned that there's no altar calls or no prayer for prayer lines in your church. That's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that the atmosphere is not there to cause souls to run to the altar and an atmosphere produced where the sick can be healed. 
That's what I'm concerned. Amen. It's not the physical prayer line and the act of going through the prayer line or people coming down the altar. I'm concerned there's no atmosphere. It takes the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You, you can see what Brother Branham said. It's got to be brought into focus. Great message to listen to is the message, look, I got so many things from my, in 1963, Brother Branham preached it. God read it. I, I was studying it one time, coming back on a plane, and I was just weeping and crying through every paragraph of it. But anyway, he said, he said if obeying the word, taking this range finder, and bringing it down to place till I see the same thing those apostles saw and the gospel they preached, it'll produce the same results because it did for them. It'll strike the target every time. No matter what the church has said and the people who claims to be, I don't know, it'll do it. But this is what I want to look at, that the word to see that it's exactly in focus, to see the same vision they saw and it'll do the same job that it did for them. It'll heal the sick. It'll raise the dead. It'll cast out devils. It'll bring for the glorious church who is willing to seal their testimony with their own blood if it comes necessary to do that. Amen. So you see, there again, we have all of these things. Of course, there's a lot of things that we could go on today, but I want to get down to here on the bride's revival. Brother Branham told us, and I was there as a little boy when Brother Branham said this. He said, I'm not looking for revival in our generation. I'm looking for the coming of the Lord in our generation. Now they were, the revival he's speaking of was another divine healing, another great Azusa movement, another worldwide sweeping revival. But do you realize the coming of the Lord comes first as the word to a prophet? The coming of the Lord is not moment twinkling of the eye, that's her change. It happens in stages. The coming of the Lord comes first as a word to a prophet. And then the word taken on flesh being fully manifested in bride form. And then finally caught up to meet the Lord in the air. See, it took the fullness of the word to make a bride. Uh, Christ had to come in word form to a prophet. But that ain't where it ends. A lot of people get that far. God sent a prophet and we got a message. That's wonderful. But you realize what is produced. It must take on flesh. Amen. It must, it must produce not just the word coming. It must change to the bride coming. Amen. Because if there's no bride, if there isn't Christ in bride form, there'll be no rapture to be nobody to come for. And if God had not sent us a message, there would have been no bride that was born out of that word so that there could be a rapture. But you remember, it's not, the message is only the precursor. It's what was pointing to. What was it? To produce Christ has to be here on earth in bride form. Yes, yes. Now, you know, I, I can go right on down where, you know, the different things, and I'm skipping a lot of things, but you know, in the third seal, Brother Branham, this famous quote today, that's the reason today we, the revivals we're supposed to have, we have denominational revivals. We haven't had a real stir. No, 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 sir. Don't think we got revivals. We haven't. Oh, they got millions and millions of church members, but not a revival nowhere. 
Oh, again, he told us just a denominational revival. Then he says, the bride hasn't had a revival yet. There's been no revival there, no manifestation of God disturbed the bride yet. We're looking for it. It will take those seven unknown thunders back there to wake her up again. He will send it. He promised it. Now watch. So you see, here again, Brother Branham said, the bride has not had her revival yet. And many have run off with it. Well, now we are the bride's revival. Let me tell you. He told us what it would take to bring it. It would take those seven unknown thunders, which were the mysteries contained in the seven seals, to give us an open book, the full word. And from that full word would come the bride's revival. Not part of the word. That's why I'm advocating today. Brother, not just a part, not one wing. Not just emphasizing one thing. Oh, I know our missionary deals. We got, you know, we get them, believe the message. Okay, believe, serpent, seed. All right, now be baptized in Jesus' name and never take them on to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Never pray them through. Just leave them there in a sanctified condition if that. My God, don't we realize it ain't just baptizing them in water? They got to be baptized by the Spirit. And you've left out the main thing. Now, Brother Branham talked about them in those days, saying revival in our time, back this, that, and the other. He said they hadn't recognized the awakening of the bride. And I got, I, I got different things that we could go on. But remember, he tells us in Shreveport, one of the last things imparted, imparted after saying, I'm looking for the come of the Lord. I'm not looking for revival. In the same sermon, he says, he said, uh, it can't go on like this. It's got to be something, and it's moving right now, friend. It's on. The move is on for the bride. That's the truth. That's thus saith the Lord. So the bride's revival is a word revival, but it's a, not a dead letter, but a letter, but a word that lives. As we said, we need today, quoting the prophet, an opening of the word that lives. Amen. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it must take on flesh. And he, and he said, until the church becomes both dynamics and mechanics and the spirit of God that moved him to do the same things that he did. If he hit on 16 cylinders, so will the bride. If he said in John 14, 12, he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also. I'll give him a charge of my dynamics and his mechanics that the world won't be able to withstand it and I'll raise him up in the last day. The dynamics and the mechanics together, the mechanics without the dynamics, no good. Neither is the dynamics without the mechanics. You can scream and shout and jump up and down all you want to and deny his word it won't do any good amen we got to fulfill the great commission one thing brother Branham told us in invisible union of the bride he said the great commission has not been fulfilled and he said it take the opening of the seven seals to fulfill it he said you know because he said you know they can't take even part of the word how in the world can they take the opening of these seven seals 
So he said, so that means that it's on your shoulders and mine to fulfill the great commission. And the great commission is to preach the gospel. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. Is that right? Amen. Go, you can go through the restoration of the bride tree and Brother Branham over again and spoken words original seed the, the different revivals he said the formals had had their revival and the Pentecostals had their but then he said the word will produce a revival the word's going to bring sons and daughters of God are you with me the bride must produce bride tree must produce the fruit of the groom Amen. now then I'm going to sum it up just for you just in these next couple of minutes I want you just to get Several thoughts, Brother Branham weaves all the way. He starts in Jeffersonville with this, so it's to us, and then all the way through everywhere that he goes to the country. He preaches, he preaches two scenarios that he painted in sermons like, Be Not Afraid, Go Awake Jesus, Testimony on the Sea. And he talks about after coming through the great revival and they're tested, they're out on the sea and they're testifying about the Vandalia meetings, about how God moved in Chicago, how God did this and how God that. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing that. So, you know, I'm trying to bring it current because they were testifying on the sea. You see that blind man that was healed there and Pula's Shalom and Salome and all of this. But you know, we come through this great revival and there's two scenarios, two things that are happening. One, people have left on the journey without him. Two, Jesus, for others, Jesus is in their boat, but he's asleep and needs to be awakened. Two things. Some went without him. They don't have him at all. And when he comes, they're scared of him. It's fanaticism. We don't want what happened on the day of Pentecost. We got something different from that. Brother Brandon said it'll, it'll produce exactly what was in Acts 2. The others, they got Jesus, but they let him go to sleep. He needs to be awakened. We're in a storm. We need an awakening of Jesus in our lives. Oh, yeah, we were awakened. We've got the awakening of the bride. We recognize seven seals are open, these mysteries revealed, and we got all these truths and all these mystery truths. And Yeah, we got that, but Jesus is asleep. Storms in your churches. Storms in your homes. Storms around the country. And you need Jesus awakened. That's in you. Amen. Amen. Here's another thing. Starting in Jeffersonville, he preaches a sermon, a deceived church by the world. And from there, he preaches just once more, Lord. And across the country, he is telling us that there's a new crop that old blind Samson in his wretched condition, the church, that there's still a possibility of a revival. 
And he says them once more. They don't realize it, that there's a possibility of revival. They don't realize the possibility. They hadn't caught the vision yet. Yes, we're not going to have another Azusa Street. Yes, we, I know we are not going to go through another divine healing meeting and movement as much as personally I'd love to have it. Come on. Amen. But listen, friend, that's not what's promised. But there is possibility of revival. Because, listen, it's not a revival that Tim Pruitt and Evening Light Tabernacle has started. It happened because of the opening of the seven seals and the mysteries that God revealed. The thunder spoke out and it was calling for the bride out of the church. And you said, well, we need unity. In the church, Brother Tim, what, what we need is, you know, listen, Brother Bannon was crying unity where the Baptists could meet and the Presbyterian and the Catholic. How many, is there anybody in here that was formerly Catholic? Raise your hand. No? Baptist? Formerly Baptist? Well, one Baptist. Anybody Presbyterian, Catholic, or, or Pentecostal denomination? Anybody else? Okay, there's another. Anybody? Okay, there you are. And we're all meeting under the same roof. The vision Brother Branham had of that unity is been a gathering out of denominations sitting right in your churches. Where that they're all together now under one umbrella, one headship, and that's Christ. Amen. And there's possibility of revival. Listen, but you got to die to your pride. Reason we hold on to a lot of things is because old stinking pride. You got to die to the things of the world. Need a full surrenderance. We need a revival in the pulpit before we can expect revival in the pew. We need a coming back and a remolding and saying, God, bring back that first love in my life. I got to be willing to pay the price. There is possibility of a real revival. You can have it personally. What we, Brother Branham said in Why Christ Speak, and I've quoted it to you. He says, we need a repentance. We need a revival. I'm saying this myself. How can I overcome? He says, I'm preaching this sermon because I think It's a time that we should never let the spirit of revival die. How can I overcome? Well, read these books on psychology. I'll tell you what. These are some self-help things. I'll give you seven steps of how to get rid of pornography. We'll have a seminar seven, eight days. That won't work, church. It won't work, preachers. What's going to work is a dying out to sin. You know, dying out and coming back to God in a real revival fire in your own heart. And you're going to preach life. Dead sermons kill. And dead preachers give out dead sermons. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about myself. Not even pointing fingers your way. I'm not pointing out anybody individual or any certain group. I'm just saying, God, we all need revival in the ministry. Yes. So there can be revival in the yes. pew. Yes. We need a real dedication. Brother Bradham preached that on how can I overcome? He said that's the way Christians are becoming. They're dead in their sins and trespasses. And they become doty like an old log that he craw- tried to cross over and it just fell apart. 
He said, laying right there in the stream of life, right where the water of life is, and rotten's twice as quick. And you'll have them on your pews, sitting right there where the word's going for, the pure word, the holy, the, the, the word that God sent to a prophet coming right through your pulpit, and they'll die right in the pew yeah. because they're not connected to life. The greatest goal you ought to have for your church is to see it filled with the Spirit. We got the mechanics. But the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. It's time, brother, we ask God for a refilling. Amen. Is there hope for revival? I want to believe that men like you are hope for that revival because it's not going to end in a secular intellectual manner. It's going to end with the supernatural display. And you talk about a divine healing revival. You haven't heard or seen nothing like what's coming. You say, Brother Tim, you've just read us. Listen. We're not going to just see partial healings. Someone with a bad heart given new heart or a healed heart. and Somebody 50-year-old healed, still a 50-year-old. We're going to see gray hair come back the right color. We're going to see old age fade away. We're going to be transformed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. It is the greatest divine healing movement that has ever been laid right in front of you. Where even those who are mere fragments of dust will raise from the seven ages whole again. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. God bless you, brothers. Thank you for letting me deliver my heart. That's what brings unity. Be filled with the Spirit. Your lamps trimmed and clear. Father, I'm so thankful that you let our brother get out of the way, Lord, because I saw Jesus here today. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for this wonderful provision that the saints here in Bethel Tabernacle has provided for us. And, Father, we ask you bless and sanctify it to our bodies. And, Lord Jesus, as we go out there and sit around and fellowship around the natural food, May we not lose what we've just heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, brother.